It's so hot, yeah. But I've been inside all day, <laughs> most of the day, so I've been cool. But it's hot outside. All right. All right, hey guys, it's Steph Clark. This is the I'm a Rescue podcast. Today we have a really special host, uh, not host, I'm hosting. Uh, we have a special guest. Um, Dominique Banos is the attorney of DBLO Law Firm, a law firm she created. It's uh, based in um, Southern California. She's an LA native. She's received her uh, doctorate from Whittier Law School and her bachelor's from Cal State Northridge. And uh, we're very lucky to have her on the podcast today. I love this uh, one review I want to read um, that someone wrote about you. Dominique is my go for any and all of my law criminal defense questions. She knows her stuff. She fights the good fight and she is not in court to make any friends with DEAs. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thanks for joining, Dominique. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me and asking me to, you know, join in on your podcast. This is fun. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention, so me and Dom know each other from um, Oak Park High School. And Ooh. way back in the day, I was just talking to uh, Tom, my husband, I was just talking to him. I'm like, oh, what is like the big uh, reunion? Is it the, that everyone talks about? Is it, is it the, the 20th? 20th? Is it the 20? I think so. I, you didn't go to the 10 year, right? I didn't go to any, there was a five year and a 10 year. Five years. stupid, yeah, no, yeah, I went to the 10 year. Like, um, I was like five I'm years, like people no. are still the same. <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm still a mess doing. Yeah, <laughs> 10 years was cool. Yeah, 10 years was fun. It was a, yeah, no, I mean, it was all right. It, yeah, it was all right. Not a lot of people that I used to hang out with went, you weren't there. <laughs> but Sharon was there. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, are she you, was there. Do you still keep in touch with Sharon? Here and there, uh, you know, Facebook, you're kind of still connected to people and you know what's going on, but yeah, you know how we get caught up in our lives and time goes by so fast. So yes, yeah, yeah, so she's good. I talked to her here and there. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember with our reunion that it was the, it, the daytime at Malibu Wines, I think it was like 75 a person. I'm like, I'm not, that's, too, I was just so cheap. It was pretty nice. Yeah. And I was just like, really? I guess, um, I just wanted to see who was there. And it, was, and it was, I don't know, it could have been a lot more fun. You know, it's all about the people who were there and it was still like everyone in their cliques. So, you know, that's why I think it needs to be 20 years so people are out of their cliques a little bit more. Totally. And you're just you like, you're still in your thirties, you're just more, you just don't give a fuck. Anymore. Like you're just yeah. more comfortable with who you are mm -hmm. and it's, it's um, better, it's a better age to like meet um you know to reconnect but um, no, I, I still talk to Megan and Allie I still see them they're the sweetest girls yeah, I love them yeah they're wonderful Megan, are they in New York um Allie's in New York and uh Megan is in uh Santa Monica oh that's cool yeah <laughs> when I posted about the having you on the podcast Megan's like oh what's the link I want to listen to I know she had mentioned so, um, something from when I had posted and then I was like and then you I saw your email after I was like oh whoops because <laughs> I didn't even notice you you emailed me saying that the recording wasn't um, yeah. on so for our listeners um, I, I interviewed Dom uh, a few weeks ago and the first time and I've done this um, we've had like 38 podcasts so far. I've never, this was the first time I forgot to record it. 
it was like our like 15 year 20 year reunion <laughs> it was like the best and then it's like oh wait no recording <laughs> now we're already caught up no i was kidding <laughs> yeah yeah now that it's like what else where do you show <laughs> no i mean a lot's happened actually since you and i last spoke but yeah. you know, 2020 for you everything yeah. so okay the last time Dom and I talked was the day before um, the Trump uh, rally in Tulsa that no one showed up for. <laughs> that, yeah, but didn't the TikTok users, uh, yeah. they, what, is it, they, what do they call it these days? Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. trolled him. They trolled they, him. There you go. <laughs> so they, so I love it. I didn't even know you can like do that. So they bought, or not even bought because it was free. They reserved their, their seat so that yeah. it sold out. And then they wouldn't go, so it would be empty in the stands. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of look at it as that they save people's lives, really. That's true. The pen, like COVID-19. So, you know, they made sure that those seats were empty, so people weren't, were less at risk. Yeah, they're heroes, really. <laughs> yeah, see, that's my defense in me coming to the, for the TikTok users. Right. I will defend their actions. They were doing it for the common good. They were. <laughs> I was so pissed when they played Tom Petty because we were watching a clip and they were playing I love Tom Petty and I feel he would have never been okay with that I'm the state is um suing them him I think oh you know what's funny I was gonna say that of course they use someone that's not alive thinking that oh okay they won't have anything to say but still no I like the state I would be so pissed like what do you think is left for him like no who would I know there's nothing who, who would it be? I don't even know. It would just be like free, it would just be like, uh, just Mary had a little land, like free domain music. Like what? Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> or I don't even know. I don't even want to think about what he would have because it's just something that would be totally inappropriate. <laughs> I already know. So what do you think about Kanye running now? Do you think oh my God. First of all, distraction? it's a distraction. But I don't think it had the same effect that he was hoping it would have because, first of all, that's so random and it's way late in the game to try to even get into the election. So it's not even a realistic possibility. So why are you even saying it? But I think it, he said that as a kind of distraction to the news that came out yesterday about his Kanye or the Yeezy company receiving like how much millions and PPE relief from COVID-19. So I think he kind of was trying to have, throw out something to distract from other news that he knew was about to drop. Oh, but so it I didn't work. I didn't even hear about this yesterday, so. Yeah, yeah he, um, but well, just I know today a bunch of other companies, uh, a list of all, a bunch of companies that received millions mm -hmm. in PPE uh, funds that was supposed to go to small businesses so Kanye was one of them. And I want to say, I don't think it was billions, but it was a lot of money. Wow. And he made on a lot of money himself. So it looks as though it went to another big corporation that didn't really need it or took money from um, uh, funds that were supposed to go to small businesses. Ugh, not surprised. Yeah, so I think that was the whole PR about it to distract from that specifically. Do you think these distractions work or are we as a society more aware? I think nowadays we're as a society more aware. So I don't think they work as they would have even just like a year ago. Yeah. In 2016, he announced the same thing and people actually took him somewhat seriously. 
But I think now, you know, as people are forced to be as woke as ever, <laughs> um, they can't ignore it because it's right in front of their eyes and there's nothing that could, you know, they can kind of go to. So people And a lot of us aren't working and we're like, you know. Exactly. Like we, Tom, Tom and I talked about like, I probably have better education now watching all these documentaries mm -hmm. than I did yeah. in high school or college. Isn't it great? Yeah. It, it's so amazing. It really is. I've, I mean, even as like a history major myself, I've been finding out a lot more information about history I didn't even realize. Or like, you know, little details that I either overlooked or they just weren't even discussed. Right. Because it was kind of like generally known, but like the details are what really matter to me. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, there's so much, there's so much information out there that's accessible, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we watched a Disclosure about um, how trans people are portrayed in uh -huh. in, in a film throughout the years and you know I didn't even think about a lot of what they what they just like they talk about the movie Ace Ventura and like I don't know if you remember but it, mm -hmm. Ace Ventura at the end the um the villain is is trans and and the people that made out with her are literally just throwing up Oh, I haven't seen that movie in so long. So like, you know, the millennials and younger generations are calling this out. And yeah. I think that a lot, often they get um, just backlash for, backlash for being young and millennials. But I don't think, I think that they're going to change, um, change the future of how we see things. I totally agree with you. I used to talk so much crap about millennials <laughs> um, up until probably like, two to three months ago, I started giving them slack and listening to them. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, uh, I've been actually very proud of them. I think that their generation, even though I think we're technically part of them, we're like right. the older millennials, but like the middle average millennial. We're on the edge of it. We're I know, just we're but like I'm okay with being with that now before I had issue with it. Right, right. Um, I think that they've grown up a lot differently than us, not just with like culturally um, because I feel like we've kind of grown up diverse they've grown up in a different kind of diversity but they've grown up seeing a lot more trauma at an earlier age so uh, like the mass uh, school shootings we never had to worry about that throughout middle school high school um, that's a regular occurrence and that's something that they do drills for um, like earthquake drills and fire drills I couldn't imagine doing that in high school or middle school so I think they just have a different like awareness and because it's affected them so much in, in their personal lives they're they pay attention to the government more because they're looking for answers themselves so. right because it's like why why this seems like gun control yeah. seems like something you can just fix yeah it's controllable it's not yeah yeah it's not like okay go somebody call mother nature and tell her to chill out with these earthquakes you know we don't need any more aftershocks or you know those are all you know acts of nature, but this is human um, and could be controlled by policy. You know, right. at least that's what the argument is. So they're looking for someone to do something and no one's doing anything for them. So they're taking it upon themselves. So yeah. I commend them for it. They're a lot more vocal at a younger age. Um, yeah, we talked about this last time that Tom and I went to a Black Lives Matter protest, but it was in Westlake. So everyone was- oh, Everyone was so polite that they waited for the light to turn green to cross the street. <laughs> That's so cute, though. 
And I, I wanted to go to LA. Like I do have a lot of anxiety about with COVID and everything. And like, I want to still see my mom. So I really like, you know, mm-hmm. numbers are pretty low out here. So I felt okay. You know, everyone had their mask on and everything. Yeah. But um, even about the protest, we were like the oldest ones there. <laughs> they were all like super young high school and college That's kids. Okay. And I was just like amazed by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like they're a lot more ballsy. I mean, I thought, I I think that, you know, both you and I have always been outspoken, Mm -hmm. but they're like proactive a lot more than our generation was. I think that, I don't know, maybe it's just collectively, there's more of them. So it's like, okay, or they're more encouraged um, now just because of times as they evolve. But uh, yeah, they're a lot younger and they're like out there. They're not uh, taking shit. They're not taking shit, and I love it. Oh, yeah. I, go, go, you guys. I'll be right here. I'll send here some water bottles. Here's um, here, here's my cards. If you need anything, call me. I feel like such a mom. I have an intern who's, like, millennial age, and she went to a couple protests downtown here, and she was telling me that she was like, oh, can I read? They're doing a Jackie Lacey, you know, anti, um, you know, a police shootings and you know the, all the collectively like black lives matter and i was like oh you are that's so wonderful i was like oh yeah definitely go ahead and be safe call me if anything and then i was like packed up water bottles from our like refrigerator and i was like give this to your friends if you need anything i'll be right here <laughs> on standby i'm like wow i'm like old now <laughs> or like a mom but um yeah i didn't go myself but i was like go and represent for me <laughs> because i have too much work and they felt really special. Uh, something felt really special about, because it uh, just for a little background for our listeners, Dom and I went to um, um, middle school and high school in like a very white suburb area, like wealthy, right? Like, I mean. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, sheltered, but like, like a bubble, like a um, little outside. Um, Oak Park is a little out, um, you know, 40 minutes uh, north of LA. Um, so it was really special to see some of these people, pro- like one guy, one man was just like, just middle-aged white guy like just didn't you know I don't know you wouldn't think that he would be at a Black Lives Matter protest and he took Mm -hmm. it he took a knee and almost made me cry my god how beautiful yeah it's those sites that are really like heartwarming because they're people that you wouldn't think pay attention or even care and for them to just be there in their presence is just like it speaks volumes right or the people just driving by honking and mm-hmm. a lot of black people driving by honking and just saying. Yeah, like, there's more black people in like Westlake, Oak Park area now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, there's it, a lot more. Yeah, no, it's great. It does seem like Tom and I are talking about like in our little complex, we live in a townhouse. It's very multicultural, like it's just a lot of different types of people and mm-hmm. everyone's very nice and um, says hello and it feels like a community. And I know last time we talked That's about awesome. that, how, how it's important to be around um, people of different races and um, yeah mm-hmm. and just to experience that I don't know I think that's very important especially. yeah absolutely the understanding you know and being able to just be familiar with different kinds of people and understand their culture and who they are and just you know just be <laughs> um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing and I think a lot of like ignorance comes from people not knowing and fear, fear. Right. So. Yeah, totally. Like last time I loved when we talked about um, like your earliest experience with racism and um, you were talking, maybe if you want to like re-explore that when you're talking about driving with your friend Brittany. 
Oh yeah. So um, when I was about, I want to say 15, I was about 15. She was 16 at the time. And I, I don't remember if I had my permit or license at the time, but I know that Brittany had her license and she was under that six months restriction where you can't drive with friends, but we were still driving and her stepdad would let her take the car so that we could go pick up food or just go do random things, go to the mall, little things around town. So that was one of those times that we were driving uh, down Canaan actually from Oak Park and we were going to be turning onto like Thousand Oaks Boulevard towards Agora High School and I forgot where we were going but you know we were playing music and driving perfectly fine but then at the light all of a sudden we see that there was a cop behind us so then um, we just proceeded as normal as you can even though we weren't doing anything wrong really and the cop followed us probably for about 10 minutes or so and then eventually just pulled us over. Um, but it was very obvious that he was following us because we were, we were going through the neighborhood. So I had told Brittany to like, okay, turn here into like where the houses are, like maybe he'll keep going straight, but then he followed. So kept following and then finally pulled us over and immediately made us get out the car, um, put us in the back of his uh, vehicle and it was only the one officer he didn't have a partner there and just detained us and questioned both of us um, very immensely and when we asked why we were pulled over he said that she Brittany had stopped that a stopped at the stop sign too long or something weird something about the stop sign so or stopped where there wasn't a stop sign it was a basically a bullshit pretextual stop so um, we oh yeah so then when we further asked about you know being pulled over he made up some story about oh this car was reported stolen and we knew for a fact it wasn't reported stolen because it was her stepdad's car and he knew that we were driving it so that was a lie um when he he interrogated both of us searched us like patted us down everything and when he came to you know questioning me in the, the back of the cop car with my hands on the gate like what am I doing I didn't do anything wrong but like a criminal um, he asked for ID I gave him my ID and my ID had a park address and he had like the most I took it as like very racist and um, ignorant and hateful response and basically questioned me further and saying this isn't your address. You don't live out here. You're not from around here. Where do you really live? And I was just taken back because I'm like, well, why are you saying that? This is a valid government ID and that's my address. And he was continued to be a jerk and detained us for a lot longer and then eventually let us go. Cited out Brittany for like an infraction, nothing. And then, um, and that, and that was it. But we were so kind of like very distraught about what happened because we didn't do anything wrong that warranted being pulled out the car as 15 and 16 year olds in Agora Hills, uh, not doing anything wrong and searched, detained, and just made to feel like criminals. So uh, Brittany's stepdad at the time when he found out and he found out because they called him. We're like, it's our hair stepdad's car. They called him and that's how they end up releasing us or he ends up releasing us. 
because he finally spoke to my friend's stepdad. And um, he filed a complaint with the Lost Virgin Sheriff's Department against the officer who uh, pulled us over and detained us. And the watch commander, the captain over there, whomever it was, he took it seriously and um, set up an appointment for us to go down there. And they apologized to us. So yeah, it was pretty in incredible and pretty intense. And I almost forgot about that story up until recently. Uh, with everything going on, you just kind of remember, start to remember random things. Right. And so. that story came up, like, for you to reflect back on. And say, yeah, I was like, oh, whoa, I forgot about that. That was, that was pretty, pretty nuts. Cause I try to like, I pretty much just remember like, you know, the good times and, and you know, the experience of just high school and, you know, graduate, graduating, going to college, all of that. And you know, what I was fixated and focused on. So. What did it feel? What did it feel? Do you remember what it felt like at the time and what it feels like now? At the, oh, about what? Getting pulled over and just- Oh, well at the time it's like scary cause you don't know why. And it's like, oh, oh no, the cops, you know, just never know and that's just kind of like ingrained that it's like something to be scared of being pulled over so it was like a freezing moment like okay what's going on what do we do what do we say um and and now now i don't care <laughs> about being pulled over i mean i don't drive i actually drive kind of like a grandma i don't speed or anything and <laughs> there's nothing on my car to like be pulling me over about really so um, I'm not really, when the cops are behind me or around me, I'm just kind of like, hi. I mean, I know my rights and I know kind of the protocol. So I just kind of go with it and I don't tell them I'm a lawyer. I just kind of just see how they are. And then I just answer what I feel should be answered. <laughs> and then they usually don't bother me. I really don't get pulled over at all. Not yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's interesting. Cause it's like, do you feel, yeah, with that knowledge of being a lawyer, yeah. you know your rights. So there's kind of like, is there self-assurance with that? Knowing yeah, there's definitely a self-assurance and a comfortability around them. So in courts, I'm always around bailiffs and, you know, court security. But when I, because um, I do criminal defense area, so I'll have to have, go visit, do jail visits or prison visits at times. And, you know, they're all around. So they kind of just become, it comes normal. So I'm comfortable around them. It's not like an intimidating or like, you don't see them as like a, you know, superior um, type of um, like being to you. It's like, okay, we're on an even playing field. We're both like law in the law enforcement field area. So like you're an officer, police officer on the streets. So I'm an officer of the court. So right. what's up? <laughs> you know? is, there, um, is there ever a feeling of, um, of of just being afraid just because of how quickly it can escalate to violence because you're a black woman? Um, yes and no. I think that my assurance is pretty solid. Whereas like, I know even with the most ignorant of officers that may want to try, try anything, I've been fortunate that I haven't had to deal with that. But in that situation, I know how to handle things enough where things wouldn't escalate or to diffuse a situation. So I can already kind of anticipate like what they're thinking and where they're going with certain questions. Like when they pull me over, it, like I got pulled over a few months ago or 
yeah, like, like so let's say six months ago, and it was because of like a license plate issue, which I already knew. I was like, oh, they're totally gonna pull me over. So then I already know what they're asking, and I know why they're asking it. And so I'm already like 10 steps ahead of them. So in that situation, I personally don't feel that way, but I know that other people do and would feel that way because they don't know where anything's going and they um, are just trying to do their best to kind of follow directions, but not really do anything wrong. So some people meet that with like a timid sense of like, like clamming up and then other people are like, may talk, not talk back, but it might be taken as talking back because they're like, wait, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. You know, that defensiveness, which right. is just really like a, a protective mode type of uh, automatic response. So what do you, uh, what do you think the best advice, what, what do you do if, you know, if you're pulled over? What's the best advice to somebody? Well, I always tell my clients that, or and my friends and family, just make sure everything on your cars is like working properly and um, don't give them a reason to pull you over for anything on your car or um, when you're driving, really just obey traffic. <laughs> Based the most simple traffic um, like rules that people don't even realize, even if it's like pausing for the, remember the like the California roll and they're like, you have to stop three seconds. Like literally at a stop sign, stop and count to three and then drop and go. Like it's not gonna hurt or like take that much time from you. So I always just say, you know, just have that. If you can, can just do that. And then if you do end up getting pulled over for speeding or anything, just have all your stuff organized. So you're not like rummaging through things. You're not opening unnecessary like compartments, giving, you know, access visually to any officers so you know they can make something up and say that oh i think i thought i saw a weapon or and then all of a sudden they're searching your whole car yeah so like don't give them an inch because they'll take a mile totally yeah (laughs) so yeah it just reminds me of how my car is such a mess and i don't know where anything (laughs) yeah exactly so um and then anything could look like anything and it's what the officer says in the report is what goes even if it's wrong, even if they're wrong, it's just because they think that they saw, they thought they saw something. Um, I had a client once who got pulled over for like a license, a license plate issue and like 10 windows and the officers got, they used excessive force in this one. Actually, they ended up tasing him and then pull, pulling him out the car. And it was just a basic traffic stop. And then they said on the police report that they thought they saw meth or like a powdery substance that looked like meth and there could have been a weapon underneath some bundled clothes that were in the front, like kind of like your car is a mess. Like they could say they something looked like it was shaped like a weapon. And that gave them their little excuse to kind of want to search the car or make him step out the car. And then he was like, wait, why? No. And then, cause he wouldn't step out the car or wanted, we're asking questions that they didn't want to answer that's when they pulled, used their taser and pulled them out. And then it was like a mess. And then, um, so then you were like, so then the case was about him being arrested or something? Yeah, they ended up charging him with resisting arrest. And yeah, just resisting arrest. And the, and they had him, they filed it as like a felony. He had like a $50,000 bond, which is which was BRS. Uh, his mom ended up bailing him out. And then they ended up reducing it to a misdemeanor when he went to court 
So it was it shouldn't even been a felony, and he shouldn't have even had to post a fifty dollar bond, but he had to. And then um, in court with the misdemeanor, once I kind of explained the situation to the DA uh, that was handling the case, she was like, "Okay, well, let me look into some things." And I got the recording of the body cam that showed them tasering literally two officers at the window, tasering him from like. Like you're sitting in the car and through the window, they're out there and they pull out the teaser and teaser him and pull him out. And then he's like trying to function and they're like trying to get him on the floor. And he, it's just like a big old mess and it ended up being four officers on him. So they, yeah, I mean, they, they, they were able to see um, what was really going on and he wasn't resisting and they ended up dismissing the case. So that was... Wow. That worked out well, yeah. And then, you know, with the four, four cops tasering the guy, and then, dude, is there any consequences for those officers, or it's just nothing happened? Well, I don't think anything happened in this situation. They could have filed a complaint. Um, at that time, I don't remember if a complaint was filed or not. Uh, and then, depending on if there was any, like, severe injuries, from being tasered and like can you a excessive force being used against him, then he could have, you know, potentially sued the department. Um, but he didn't have any at least immediate injuries. And I think there may be a complaint, I'm not sure, but it's pretty much up to the person or the person's family to kind of decide if they want to pursue anything civilly. But it's always good to at least file a complaint because that becomes on, you know, the cop's record. Right. So in future instances, um, other attorneys who, like, let's say there's a case going to trial and there's, like, a bad cop who routinely uses excessive force and, you know, fabricates evidence, you know, just all the bad stuff that cops can do, like, this cop does it. Like, the only way you really find out about that is through, like, filing what's called a pitches motion or um, now... Well, they have actual like information and get that access to that officer's um, prior complaints and um, disciplinary action and that can be used as like impeachment evidence against a cop in your case or in that attorney's case if you know if it's useful and if it's similar to the situation so, so that's is that a recent thing that happened where they have access to that information yeah the freedom of information act is recent i think in 20 18, 2019, I think 2018, um, where you can kind of request a lot more information and get it without, you know, going through so many different channels or ha having to have like a pending case. Um, whereas before, it's like you can only get that information through a certain motion and you have to have a case pending against you and your attorney has to do it and it's just a long process and then they can the department has their own attorneys that contest releasing that information so it's a lot of like uh what's it called not loop, uh, hoops like jump a lot of jump through a lot of hoops yeah, yeah the runaround the runaround and then the judge so if they can if the officer's attorneys for the, the usually let's just say like the city attorneys or whoever they have a counsel <laughs> contest it then the judge can take the information in the file and review it him themselves and then they determine whether or not it's relevant to the case. So you have to hope that you have a judge that is, you know, defense friendly or 
friendly or you know mindful of the constitution and you know what's right wow. to do their job because sometimes there's a lot of judges that just kind of go with the prosecution side no matter what wow was, um, that, was that a surprise when when you see that um that the judges just kind of go with, with the prosecution's side often was that a shock coming from um you know a place of wanting justice and mm -hmm. fairness it was a it was definitely a shock to see how many judges uh go on just kind of naturally go on the prosecutor side or you know the give deference to the officers in any reports or you know arguments before trial or any type of um you know find actual finding a fact has been found in the case it was it was kind of like wait what how is this possible but then you know through experience and you've kind of seen through everything um the politics of it all and a lot of judges are former prosecutors so it's just kind of like one of those things and it's puts a, a kind of tarnishing image you know in my opinion over like the whole justice system criminal justice system and you know a lot of judges because they cover up a lot they some of them can cover up a lot and you only have as much room to pursue um, different avenues as, as what the judge will allow and if the judge sees it your way it's like um, we, we as an outsider already know how there's injustice in the in the mm -hmm. system so if someone that's in the inside i can't even imagine all the shit i know because it's not even the officers like i you know i have i respect good officers law enforcement i don't think they're the enemy it's just the the system how it's built and what you know it's what they know because how many officers get away with uh using excessive force killing unarmed you know citizens and they're not you know reprimanded for it or fired or don't face any repercussions they go to court like even if they lie about evidence they go to court and uh sorry the sirens in the background <laughs> like they're coming to get me no, sound effects yeah right uh it's downtown for you it's like all these sirens every day um like they wait what was i saying about the oh yeah so they oh yeah they um they get away with certain aspects of like this the like process so like with certain motions where before trials and if we're trying to bring a motion saying that this evidence was you know obtained illegally against like your fourth amendment rights and your the judge the cop is on the stand and you know you're cross-examining them or even on direct like they could say whatever they want and you know the judge is just going to take it take the, their deference like if there's inconsistency unless it's very 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 blatant where you it's like the cup was orange but the cup was actually black and it's like okay i see clearly that the cup was black so yeah this is wrong a b and c and they'll finish that but you know otherwise if there's room for interpretation they're always they won't really consider it they'll just go with the side of the officer um even when it's like something that needs to be addressed or you know it's a concerning right. um, and violating rights so it's unfortunate but you know it happens a lot and i guess that's what the appeal process is for <laughs> that's how they see it i think you know i think a lot of like judges on the 
you know, not the lower levels, the ones that we see every day, they figure that if it's, it, it can be, a, you know, they can handle it. There's other avenues of relief right. after them. But I don't think it needs to go there because they're setting precedent and kind of condoning certain behaviors. And those behaviors are, are, what, are what's at issue right now. So do you, do in you, society. Do you see things like we're at the peak of change in, in, as far as, you know, just with all the Black Lives Matter movement and how we're calling out corruption? Do you, do you see mm -hmm. that change um, transition into the courtrooms too? Do you think that um, everyone's kind of getting called out? Yeah, I think everyone's getting called out, but I think that it's right now, it's going to take a, a process. We're definitely at the peak of it, or we're, we're approaching that peak, and the district attorneys are on the spotlight, especially with a lot of recent documentaries. The Innocent Files on Netflix is one that's really good if you want to watch that. Uh, yeah, it talks about like district attorneys and, you know, misconduct and in prosecuting you know people to life in prison so um and they're all like black men or like minorities so it's really sad but um jackie Lee, the jackie lacy da race for la is pretty huge she's being called out so i think that once that office changes and the um the spirit and the mood and they're actually become more for the people and not just like another law, you know, law enforcement body or covering up for cops type of um, agency, I would say, then I think you'll, we'll start to see more changes and it will trickle into the judges because, you know, it's the DA that runs the case and the judges are just the middlemen really. And they, they go with the side of the prosecution unless, you know, there's a verdict, a trial, and the jury says not guilty, then okay. But other than that, they pretty much defer on the side of the prosecution. So once the prosecutions change their attitude, I think that that's going to be when the real effect and the change and progress happens. You've got to like weed out the, the bad, right? Mm -hmm. The bad ones. Yeah, and exactly. Then, and then, mm -hmm. well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Where did I want to go with? I want to kind of talk about the celebrity case you dealt dealt with. Or, <laughs> or we can not? talk about that last time, huh? No, but I didn't know if like that's if we're allowed to. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say like I'll say as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so Dom, Dom was um, represented Should Knight, um, <laughs> right? I I guess yeah. I I briefly looked at the. Um, I didn't know till I looked at your website. I loved your oh, website, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that, yep, I represented him for a while. It seemed, it went by really quick. I, it was like a blur, but it was a pretty significant time um, recently. I think from 2017 to 2018, so like like a year on his case. What's so surreal is like knowing you and how much of a fan of um, Tupac you were. In I know. <laughs> My senior quote is a Tupac quote from his like <laughs> poetry. I'm like the biggest Tupac fan. I know that was why it was so crazy. It was so ironic that like, what? How does this even happen? It's, yeah. How did, that, how did that feel like just getting, you know, we don't have, whatever we can, we, whatever you want to uh, talk about or leave out is fine. But I just, how did that feel of just um, getting, you know, um, getting that case? Well, it was just really, one, surreal and unbelievable because one, it was like, 
I think it was about a year into my practice. So I had already only been like an attorney for like a year or so. And I've been busy and doing pretty, pretty good, but um, it's, it was just the, the most random occurrence and it didn't really happen immediately. So I had, a, I was meeting with a client at Men's Central Jail and I didn't know that Shug Knight was right next to us. Because when I go, I don't really like look around. I don't really care. I'm just there waiting for the clients. They come out and we like talk about what we need to talk about and then that's it. So I was with a client and I had another, I was with another attorney as well. And um, in the middle of our conversation, uh, some, some, a guy comes over and um, was like asking questions like, oh, are you a PD, public defender? Or I was like, oh no, I'm private. I'm like, so is he. We we're just talking back and forth. You're just kind of gathering information, I guess. So I gave him my card and um, he gave me his and then uh, went on with my business there. And when I was about to leave, I was walking out of the little booth area of where I was and I hear like a pss, pss, hey, hey. And I'm like walking and I'm like, normally I don't pay attention, but I'm just like, hi, because I don't want to be rude also. You know, because, you know, people are rude to inmates and like they're people too. So I'm not going to be such so rude. So I'm like, okay, like sometimes I'll be like, hey, hey. all right, bye. <laughs> and um, he was like, hey, hey, he's like, I'm Shig Knight. I want you to represent me. And I was like, I had to look at him, like narrow in like my focus, looking at him. I was like, oh, that is Shug. I was like, I forgot he had a case going on right now. I didn't even realize that he was at Men's Central. So um, I was like, okay, um, hold on a sec. I have to go finish. So I had to go get like some paperwork for my client. So then I can't, I was like, okay, let's see what this is about. So what, is that, what does that space look like? Cause I just imagine like with the phone and like this. <laughs> yeah, there's a phone. So like you go in and then um, there's like a, a, like imagine like a pool, like a, a large pool space in the middle that's where like the inmates are like kind of like where they have access to like doors that go into little booths and then on the other side of that um is if they have glass another side is like where we go in from the outside um and go and sit down and then we have the phones okay yeah or actually the men's central they don't have the phones like you just talk so they have like little holes and you can hear mm -hmm. uh, but some other jails they have like little phones you talk to but i don't like picking those up especially now <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like oh but um so then I went back over and then you know he just was telling me like yeah I forgot this case and you know I want you on my team and blah 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 and so just kind of like talking about it and I was just like is this for real and I was like okay that's cool sure so just like talk talk talking and um eventually I was like okay well I got I'm like I gotta go so I was just like well if you want to retain me then um yeah I'll give you my card and then he's like oh, I already have your card he had gotten my card from the guy who came and spoke to us earlier so he had sent him over to find out like information about me I guess so then he already had my card and he said yeah I'm gonna have my attorney whatever attorney because he had a lot of attorneys throughout oh. his case so he said that one of these I'm gonna have my attorney call you so that I can get you on blah 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 so I was just like okay and that was that. I was just like, I don't know, that's weird, but whatever, like, we'll see. Who knows, people talk. I don't really take people like too seriously unless there's like action on it. So right. I didn't even think about it. And that was like towards, I would say that was kind of like in June, 2017. And then 
like too I would see stuff on TMZ about him in court and like you know just random escapades and different things going on and then one one of them I remember seeing he said uh, they're like oh Shook demands to talk to his lawyers or you know always something about his lawyer so I was like oh I wonder if he's trying to get me on still anyways so then I'm like carry on with my life and everything else I'm doing and then one time in August I got actually did get a phone call from like I think it was an investigator saying that he wanted me to get on the case because they were filing new charges and he wanted me to handle those that case and so he's like, you got to come meet with him and discuss it, but you have to get an order from the court. <laughs> and so I had to do all these, uh, this like go through all these hoops to get an order permitting me to see him, to meet with him about the new case, which was a criminal threats case against the director F. Gary Gray from the movie Straight Outta Compton. So I was just like, this is so weird. <laughs> well, the container left. I know, like what? So then I got the order and I went to meet with him and um, he was like, the hearing was literally like the next week and I was like, okay. Uh, so got, you know, he re got me retained. He's like, gotta talk to this person. And then next thing I know, I'm like, okay, guess I'm going to court for shit <laughs> And um, I appear, I went and I appeared on that first day and the courtroom was like packed. Oh my god! And no was one like the first, was it. Was it just a transformation of like you know? I know it's just like year into law, but just so yeah. I'm I'm assuming it's just first time it's been packed like the packed in the sense of like everyone's there for that for Shug's case to see right. what's gonna happen. So it's a, it was a very high profile case at the time, and you have a lot of law enforcement in there, you have media in there, other defense attorneys wanting to see what's going on and obviously the DA and the judges. So none of them knew, I guess, they, well, they said that they had no idea that I was gonna be on that case. And um, so I had showed up and I thought it was on time, but it seemed like people were waiting for me, I don't know. So I walked in there and I went to go speak with them and then I went out there and I'm like, okay, like ready. And everyone's just like, who is that? Cause I'm new, you know, I was like a new attorney in like law and um, those, all those high profile cases, serious cases are handled usually by like the old white men. <laughs> so they're like, who is this random ass girl? And um, yeah. And so then I was like, hi, when they, my parents, my parents on behalf of, you know, Marion Knight, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then the DA was like, wait a minute, we had no notice of her. Like, is she associated with, you know, some prior attorney um, that was accused of wrongdoing? And I was like, uh, I'm not associated with anyone. I'm, I'm like, I'm just me. I was retained to this case. That's who I am. Here you go. And so then that was that. And um, ever since then, it was just like everything, like, boom, like sprouted out, I had media contacting me, asking all these questions, and I was like, oh, whoa, what do I say to this, what do I say to that? It was pretty surreal, and wow. then um, there was a lot of other issues going on all around, and then I found myself on the murder case, and then like a few months later doing panel in both cases, oh, wow. and yeah, it was, it was just been a very, very surreal experience, um, yeah, but it was, it was fun, it was how many other attorneys were on that on um, either case with you? Was there over like ten or? 
Yeah, there were a lot of attorneys on the case prior to me. When I fin when I got off the case, um, the media said that I was the 15th attorney. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of articles saying like, the 15th attorney quits. And I randomly found a Chris Hansen uh, video on YouTube about me. It was pretty interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, where'd they get those pictures? It was pretty trippy. So um, yeah, that was, that was pretty intense. Did you quit? Or um, I didn't quit. I wouldn't say I quit. There was a lot going on in that case. Um, a lot that ha I felt had to do with a lot of history. Um, between, you know, the parties at, at hand, you know, Shug and, you know, people that are involved with everything um, in the facts of the case. And then also like the DA's office, the sheriff's department, like there's just like a lot of drama. And I feel like that case was driven by all of that history rather than like the truth. And they were literally starting to go after his attorneys and I was told about that, and I was like, no, I'll be fine. Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's nothing they could do to me, blah, blah, blah. But then they started to, um, started inferring, like, that I was possibly doing stuff, like, helping him violate court orders and all of these other, like, crazy accusations. So um, I spoke to a mentor of mine, and I was like, okay, things are gonna get in kind of crazy. Um, let me know what you think. You should get out. I'm like, I'm not scared. I know I'm like protected. I, at least I feel like I'm protected. Um, I mean, I'm pretty smart. Like I know when to like back off or move forward. And at that time, uh, two of his prior attorneys had just gotten arrested and indicted because they are indicted. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I found myself just handling a murder case, criminal threats case. And he had another pending case for I think it was like an alleged robbery, but it was had to do with um, a TMZ reporter, not TMZ, just like a paparazzi reporter, like an altercation outside um, when he was with Cat Williams, like that situation. It was totally old, but it was still a pending case. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is way too much. We need to get another attorney on here. And we couldn't get another attorney on there because the DA's office had orders preventing um, him from calling or communicating with anyone. So it was very, very difficult um, to do anything in the case. So, and then they were, you know, trying to infer and make, come after, I felt like come after me in a sense. So it kind of got to a point where my mentor was like, yeah, I think you should let it go at this point. Yeah, It's, it's not worth it. You're too new in your career and you don't want to be like, you don't want to get caught up or thrown in the mix of all of that. That has nothing to do with you. Were you uh, surprised by like the amount of just, yeah, I don't know. It just seems that's like when I, uncertainty or like, you know. Yeah, that's when I really kind of got an idea of how everything works um, in relations between like the judges and the DAs and the, you know, officers and prior relationships and just, it's just interesting. Very, very interesting. Can't really say more on that. Like, I'm like, I could tell you more off record, but like, there's, I saw a lot and I realized a lot. So um, that was, that was. That's like a, co a coffee conversation. Um, yeah, or like martinis. <laughs> you know, like more of like a bottle of tequila. <laughs> I'm really like, let me tell you. Oh, um, shit. But I had a lot of support, so I didn't 
feel like anything bad was going to happen to me. It was just, I didn't want to get caught up in like any further. Cause I did have, I felt like I had other cases and like my other clients that needed me. So I'm like, I don't want this to take over and consume everything. I need to be able to focus on and like be there for my other clients and in the future, whoever needs me. So, um, yeah, it came to a point where I couldn't do those all three of those cases on my own. And there was no way that they were gonna allow him to get his own attorney of his choice on again. So um, I ended up getting off the case and then the judge appointed him an attorney. And that's who ended up pleading him out. I was really hoping that case went to trial. It, he would have been found not guilty, no doubt. but. I don't know. I they had. I think there's more behind all of that. So a VH1 special. Comment. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's a lot VH1's more. Still around? I don't even know. Huh? If they, is VH1 still around? I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh my god! I don't know. I feel like VH1 and E may have like merged into one. Oh, probably. Yeah, that would yeah. be very. I feel like right. Well, that's interesting, and just like right now is like. Right now is hell with just um, Trump being president, but it will be a really good documentary just to see all the crazy shit that's happening. Behind oh, the I know. Like, right, you oh, know, yeah. in a few years, mm -hmm. we'll be like, oh, I, oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Did you hear about uh, Mary Trump, his, uh, Trump's niece, I believe, who just released her book or it's, an early release. So anyways, I think some reporter got a hold of it and it seems pretty good. Some some of those I really want to read, but then it's like, oh, I don't want to buy it. I don't want to support, <laughs> support like, you know, him and like all of the, you know, just the name, but I want to know the information. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw some quote that, um, like a book, a tell all, right? Yeah. Kind of like a tell all of like the history of the Trump family uh, and how he became who he how he, who he is and how he is, whatever. Right, right. Oh my yeah. God, I don't know. It's just mm -hmm. like, I just, I just don't understand why, I mean, I, I know why, because this, how the system is set up, but why we can't just get rid of him. And it just <laughs> like forever, it just seems like it's only July. And, I know. And we don't even know if, what will happen between now and November. And then once November happens, if he loses, it's another two months. I know. It's I just know. so fucking scary. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so scary because <laughs> we really don't know what's gonna happen both ways. Like, if he wins, then I think everyone's gonna like the, the whole country is gonna riot. If he loses, Trump County, Trump country is gonna riot. Like, <laughs> everyone's gonna go crazy either way. So TikTok I don't know. Save us all. How about that? The TikTokers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god which is so interesting talk about like possible conspiracy i think i saw this morning pompeo i think issued like a, a warning or or something either a warning or like a notice that they're gonna try to like discourage tiktok use because you know it's, the information is being gathered as like espionage by the Chinese and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so basically I, I interpreted that as um, the TikTokers who trolled Trump, yeah, we can't have TikTok anymore. So let's figure out a way to like 
prevent people from using it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because initially it was, I was surprised, remember, because he blamed the turnout because of protesters, but there's hardly any protesters. I know, hardly so any. He didn't, he didn't address the TikTok thing at first. So it took no. a couple of weeks to real, to, to get on board. Yeah. <laughs> That's how like disconnected they are. Oh gosh. It's done that. Right. Yeah. Um, where do we want to go with this? Um, there's so much that I want to like re rekindle from the last combo, but um, uh, I'll edit this part out since it's since it's me just humming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Um, oh, I like this. The I mentioned last time how Brian Stevenson, who is the founder of Equal Justice Initiative, shared a story on on a video of how. He, when he, um, Brian Stevenson is a lawyer, he's, um, he's an African-American lawyer, and he was at court, and uh, he was meeting his um, client, and, and, and the judge said, oh, only, only uh, you have to have your attorney with you to be in this space, wherever it was, the courtroom, and, I would, mm -hmm. and he just talked about how, um, how uh, talked about that. And I know you experienced something similar or it happens often um, to you. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so are you referring to like him, him being in like areas for like either visiting a client or like in court that's for attorneys only and like being questioned about like, oh, sorry, sir, this is for attorneys only or you're yeah. only, exactly. you know, only attorneys allowed here. Yeah, I've experienced this similar um, situations a lot more when, um, when I first started, but you know, being young, uh, young and dark, and a woman, and they're just kind of like not used to seeing anyone like me in court. Um, that's not a defendant, I guess, or not like maybe a court reporter <laughs> or like a clerk. So um, I used to at times go to court and you know go you proceed and to go check in for your client and like, oh, and like abruptly will kind of shout like, oh, oh, attorneys only, attorneys only. And it's like, um, I am an attorney. Like, right. and so they're like, oh, oh, okay, uh, okay, you're fine. Uh, or uh, similar situations like that, but in different kind of instances where it just became kind of like, a, I had, I would just have my bar card in my hand, like, I'm trying to like, I, sometimes I would just like not talk and just be like, look, here, I'm attorney. And they would be, yeah, like, oh, shit. They know that it, it kind of, it came out bad. But that's, you know, it's just the system and what they're used to seeing. Um, then I'm an unfamiliar look for the court. Yeah. Not, oh. I, I like, I, I mean, it's just so crazy because it's, we talked last time about how it's similar to when you were, when you were, you and Brittany were pulled over in that question of belonging. And uh -huh. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, what do you, you know, what do you do? Do you call, do you call it out for, hey, you know, this is how you're making me feel or are people oblivious to um, realizing they're being ignorant and or racist? Mm -hmm. I think that some people realize that on their own that the, oh, oops, like, oh man, like I, you know, that was kind of like a mess up. I shouldn't have said it like that. Or, you know, I should have waited. They kind of realized that how they came off. Um, sometimes it's, you, you know, different situations call for different reactions. Um, in situations for me, like dealing with, you know, ba certain bailiffs or court security 
or even like other attorneys in court that like don't realize I'm an attorney like outside of the courtroom and then when we go in there then they see me like with their attorneys over there then you see you see that their change in attitude or like a shocking like oh hi type of uh, response so some things I think just speak for themselves and people realize that they kind of misjudged and that other situations you you know require like I think just like a subtle calling out but I think it all just depends on like where you are and the circumstances and who it is um, some people that are just like super jerks um, it's just kind of like uh, okay wait what's going on here you have to call it out uh, like for example there is time I think like in San Bernardino court or something that you know most attorneys can just walk through the metal detectors and I was going along with it and then they're like stop stop I'm like I'm it's for attorneys right you know like I'm in a suit I look nice I have heels on I have my foot like what you know I'm not an attorney like I'm not wearing anything different than that other like woman attorney that happened to be white or like male really so it's just those type of things and then that's when I'll take it upon myself to be like um no I'm an attorney like this is you know we have to tell them kind of right. um so that they can realize and for next time because that's not cool because it's very blatant so I just kind of feel like match responses in a way um and then other times you don't want to I feel like some things just don't justify your response because the matter speaks for themselves. Oh, it must be so exhausting. It's exhausting, yeah, it is. But I think, I mean, used to it kind of sounds bad, but yeah, I'm like, I'm used to it. And at this point, because I've been able to kind of get past all those challenging and just like difficult times, it doesn't get to me anymore. It's a kind of like, more of a rewarding experience because it's like yeah you think that you're questioning me because of the place where i am and you don't think that or you're not used you don't either think don't think that i should be there or you're not used to seeing someone like me there so that's why they react the way they do but no i'm here and you know you're good you don't have to like it but it's still gonna happen you can have nothing that you could do to change it like i did it so um and you know you're not an attorney or, you know, it's, it's just a lot of, you know, other things that I just kind of play in my head just to kind of ease my mind and don't let it distract me from like my goals and what I'm doing. And the purpose of why I'm in court is for my client. I can't let other people's BS interfere with, you know, what I'm there to do for my clients. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and I think, uh-huh. Well, sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I think that like, it also, it ends up helping me, you know, in what I'm doing because just like, not just like the strength and like an assertiveness that I, I just kind of naturally have to have and like carry, but it also, you know, people are shocked when they, you know, oh, I'm on this case, oh, oh okay. So they don't know how to like read the situation or don't, you know, so at times it becomes helpful dealing with certain case, cases that may otherwise be a little bit more difficult who's surprised that you're on certain cases is that um, no just like different so like when you go to cases for criminal uh, criminal court like you have to wait for the uh, district attorneys their, their assistants to go in there and with the case files and those are the people who you're talking to your client's case about and deciding you know what evidence there is if there's any like deals that can be made 
point and talk about any emotions, et cetera. And um, so when you're waiting for them to get there and then they're going through the list and you know they now they're like called your client's name, like, oh, anyone here on this case? And they're like, oh, right here. And they're like, oh, oh hi. Yeah, like you can tell like it's they're not, they're shocked in a way because they've never you know, seen me. So it's, it's that type of situation. You can just tell whatever they're not, they don't say it outright. They're just uh, taken back. Yeah, you can tell people. Yeah, yeah. People can, are very, um, I think, at least I could read them, read people pretty well. So I just kind of think about in my head, make jokes in my head. <laughs> so, so, why, so why criminal defense? I think you mentioned, um, mentioned a little bit of it, but. Uh, well, I like, I've always liked, just the way the criminal defense, how it kind of uses policies and um, of society and, you know, just aspects of history um, is reflected in a lot of the laws. So I was history major and I love history. So that's kind of like, just kind of moved me towards criminal defense or criminal law. And then just me being kind of like an underdog fighter, um, I've always rooted for underdogs and, you know, people that are different. So those are the, you know, defendants that are the underdogs in the system uh, because they're facing the, the DAs with one goal, so put them away and tarnish their record and then judges that let the DAs do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, they need someone who's like assertive and, you know, I have no problem speaking up and I will call it for how it is. So I, that's just, been my by nature defender <laughs> and protector of the underdog <laughs> what is your I know your mom we talked about her last time your mom's so supportive of you um what does she think about uh you picking criminal defense um, oh she loved it yeah I know she didn't think anything bad about it um some people are like oh you're kind of criminals I'm like everyone's innocent until proven guilty, first of all, and they're only accused of crimes. Like, let's get to the bottom of everything first, and then we'll see what should be done. But, you know, police reports lie, and they leave out a lot. They either lie or omit a lot. And I kind of, um, I want, I'm like a truth seeker here. <laughs> so, um, you know, my mom was uh, supportive. She's about that too. She's like an underdog fighter. She's, you know, we're both underdogs ourselves. So like, we understand the importance of having, you know, people there that have our backs and support us. Yeah. So it's, I like, like to do that for other people. <laughs> yeah. Will you share the story about like your mom on just like, you know, how, how supportive she was to have, to make sure you got a great education. In, um, yeah. So, uh, with oh, yeah, she was, my mom has always been about education. So, it it's kind of how I ended up in Oak Park. I didn't just I wasn't like really I wasn't born out there or you know buy a house and just end up out there. I kind of ended up out there from my mom wanting me to have like a better education than the school I was at, and um, it was a drama at the elementary school that I was in. Um, and the principal told her like, oh, if you don't like the class or the teacher that you're you know daughter has right now I was in fifth grade or it's like the first day of fifth grade they're like then uh you should put her in a private school and she yeah it was pretty ridiculous um response to a valid concern raised by 
a parent of a student. But anyway, she said, okay, you know what, I will. And, you know, they pulled me, she was like, oh, uh, go get my daughter. I'm, you know, like I'm pulling her out of school. And they're like, wait, you can't just do that. She's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Like, you just told me to put her in a private school then. So, um, I mean, she didn't have a private school that she was going to send me to, but she pulled me out and went through a phone book later that day and stumbled upon, was going, looking for good schools or like back in that days, like, you know, in the phone books, it had like the descriptions of like school and it would say like National uh, Blue Ribbon School or California Distinguished School. So she was looking for those type of schools and uh, she stumbled on like Willow Elementary School in Agora and which is down the street from Oak Park and um, she called them up and said hey um we're I'm gonna be moving in the area I want to enroll my daughter in school now blah 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 blah." and they said sure come on in so drove like 40 minutes <laughs> over to Agora Hills and she enrolled me with no problems so the, so after I was enrolled uh, it was like finding a place to live so we found a place to live in Oak Park and that's how I ended up like going in the to the Oak Park school district but at one point after a couple of years we ended up moving back to the valley and I was still in middle school like eighth grade ninth grade and I didn't drive so my mom would literally drive from like Canoga Park Woodland Hills area to Oak Park drop me off at school drive to where she her job in Glendale work all day and then drive back to Oak Park to pick me up and then back to Woodland Hills, Canoga Park to sleep and then do it all over again. And it was solely so that I could go to school out there and get uh, have like that education that she knew I wasn't going to get anywhere else. And we couldn't afford private school. <laughs> so that was not even like a question. Uh, so yeah, it's, she's always just been like an advocate for education and rubbed off on me because I've always been about education too because I know like the sacrifices that she um, did so that I could get the education that I had and um, yeah so I'm, I'm an advocate for that for education as well, well and very supportive of people trying to you know pursue more yeah what was she doing for work at the time she was in car sales that's what I thought that's what yeah I yeah she worked for Cadillac for about like 20 years actually. Wow. She was in the car industry and those hours are like all week, every day, um, and from morning to nighttime. Is she is she still working? She yeah, yeah, she's um, actually in the process of getting her broker's license for car sales. So oh. she's done with the dealership thing. Um, it's, the, that industry has changed so much and it's another kind of old, what do they call it? The like good old boys club? Oh, I bet. So she dealt, yeah, so she dealt with a lot of discrimination oh um, throughout her 20 years. But she loves she loves cars and she loves car sales. It's just like her thing. So I told her, yeah, I think you should try to pursue your, like be a broker. You have your old clients calling you all the time. So she's doing that right now. And I'm super excited for her. And she's a notary and she helps me with my office. So like, you know, it's, yeah, we're supportive of each other. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize at the time that both of our moms, at, well, my mom took over my dad's automotive repair shop for a little bit, but oh my. both of our moms were in such like a sexist. Mm -hmm. Super, you know, you already know. It's one of the most sexist industries. Oh yeah. When, um, after my dad died, certain customers, when my mom was in the office were they're like, oh, we're not taking the car here anymore because of my mom being a woman. Wow. 
it's, it's not a, like she's under the freaking hood. She has. <laughs> so people are that ignorant. Yeah, that's oh. that's why. And then your mom was pulled over a couple times. Yeah, she was pulled over a couple times in Agora, dropping me off um, at school. And those times, like one specific, I remember it was like for nonsense, and. I always felt that it was kind of like, it may have even been the same cop, I didn't even realize, you know, in retrospect, but I always felt like they were, they were pulled over or pulling us over just to see who we are and what we were doing, where we're going. So it wasn't about like actual traffic violations, but just wanting to find out more. And that's it. So, because obviously we stood out didn't have the fancy cars and, you know, not being white was like, you know, highlight. <laughs> you could, you, you stood out very, very, um, very bright out there. Ugh. So, yeah, but you know, those are the things that, although those have, although those things happen, like you kind of, you can't let them get to you. You just kind of have to like carry on and keep pushing, like handle the situation at the moment and then just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving keep your momentum going and what you're doing okay. um, no yeah your your mom is so resilient and so are you um i i want to talk briefly about um, um your law firm um and how uh that came about um just because it's so incredible i just think it's such a sometimes it can be just like a guyish thing to be like oh i'm just gonna start my own thing oh, i'll figure it out and that you know yeah. It takes a, a strong woman to to take that first step into like starting your own. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it was um it was a kind of a like a tough decision, tough and not tough. I wanted I've always wanted or pictured myself having my own firm, but I never really pictured or thought that I could do it on my own. I always thought that I needed like a partner or someone like a group of people to do it with. Um, I don't know, I just, something, I don't know, you just don't think is possible, but then, um, you know, I explored that idea with, you know, a, a former friend of mine, and that just kind of fell through, and then um, just working for other people, and just realizing how much I brought there, and how much I ran everything <laughs> with my control issues. <laughs> but, um, I've been, but prior to that, you know, I've always been in kind of like managerial positions and all, all the places that I've worked at. Even, you know, like when you serve a bartend, like you're like your mini manager of like your clientele and like you're registered and like your cash flow and all of that. So I kind of had already had that by nature. And um, once I passed the bar, the firm I was working at, it was like a small office and the attorney like offered me a position and with a certain rate and I, it was, you know, okay, but I, you know, did calculations of like what I would receive after tax and knowing like, okay, I got student loans, I have to do this and haven't been working at a real job for a very long time because of law school, studying for the bar, et cetera. So I literally was just trying to negotiate like $200 more a week <laughs> on top and that was just pretty much to cover what would be taken out in tax and he was like oh, I don't know if I could do that and um, said he would think about it and then at the end of the day he said that that would break the bank and he can't do that and while at the same time I found out that he hired someone else like another associate that was interesting because I was like wait a minute is he replacing me or is he hired someone else to do 
more. I'm like, I could do both of our jobs. So um, I was just like very kind of taken back by that because I knew that I had, I could bring in a lot of clients because I knew a lot of people and I, all I wanted to do was work and just be a lawyer and just do lawyer things <laughs> because it's like a big deal for like someone like me and especially in my family, like we don't have like professionals. So it's kind of like, I took it very seriously, like, whoa, like, I want to, like, do this and be all in, but I was, like, being prevented from doing that, so um, I had talked to a mentor of mine, and she, you know, weighed everything out for me and was like, you know, I think that you could do this on your own. I was like, what? But I don't, I'm like, I have no money, I don't have, I can't get an office right now, and, like, why don't I like what <laughs> she's like no so she's like no start out doing this and doing that you can work from home come she's in San Diego County so she's like come down and you know come to court with me and we'll do this blah 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 and like you hear you know you have someone that called you about a case so that could be your first client I'll help you with it so she was just super supportive just like just do it and so I was like really okay so I was like well you know I had, I'm a licensed attorney, so if this doesn't work out, I could just get hired. I like, I could work anywhere else and take a job somewhere because I actually, I didn't mention this last time, but I had been talking with another firm who was like one had offered me kind of a job, but it was still not salary wise what I thought I should be earning, especially because I knew what I brought. So she said, forget them, do your own thing. And I was like, okay, here we go. And yeah, that's how I started. So you just needed that little push. Mm-hmm. The little I push. Don't you think it's important to, as like just owning your own business, you see where all the money goes and you realize, I don't know, just different jobs that I'm sure you've ha- you had and I've had where you're like, oh, I should have been paid a lot more or people mm-hmm. holding back money. And like, I just think it's so important to know everything and have yeah. transparency. Absolutely. And like not doing so much, not only just like, oh, I could totally do that. Um, I should be like getting paid to do that job, but also like knowing what you're, you're worth of like a lot of us, like for me, I would all, in all, every job I always did more than what was asked for, asked of me because that's just in my nature. And it's like, well, you should be paid accordingly. So I was trying to reflect back to that when, you know, trying to decide whether or not to stay with the attorney that I was working for because it's like, wait a minute, like I'm, I'm already going to do so much and it's like a mutually beneficial thing. So, um, why I like, I don't see why I, it's not worth it. So to him, but it's fine because I'll do this for myself. I'd rather put all the energy and time in building myself up than building someone else. Totally. Does, yeah. That doesn't see your worth or com- at least compensate you for it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's so important. I remember I was just thinking last time after we talked, I remember you worked at Pickup Sticks. Yes, oh my God. <laughs> I loved working at Pickup Sticks. It was so much fun. And you hook us up with the, um, I love the kids meal there. With yeah. the, the kids, no, that was the best. Right? So good. It was so popular. Too. It was like the most popular dish for everyone. Oh my God. That was super fun. I worked with like two of my friends. Like we had a party all the time. It was cool. <laughs> There's like a bigger, like a fancy pickup sticks near us. Oh. Yeah. Because I had no idea. It really changed. There's an in and out near us. I don't know if you've been out here recently. Like, I don't know. Not the Newberry Park in and out. A new one? 
Yeah, there's one in um, uh, Agora Westlake. There's a no way. Yeah. Oh, you. It's okay. It's been a while since you've been out here. Yeah, they it's been a while. They have a whole new little shopping center with a Target and uh, In and Out and like a fancy pickup sticks. If it's still no here. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but not the Westlake Promenade. No, no, not the oh, Westlake. Okay. The new um new little shopping center. That's oh, it. how funny! That's so cute. The Westlake Promenade will always be classic, though. That was like the place to hang out. Remember on the weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the place where I I hang out in my thirties. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> Things never change. Yeah. No, but is a Barnes and Noble still there? Yeah, it's still there. Okay, all right, cool. You know, you it's better still- not touch that place. I love that Barnes and Noble. It, it yeah, it's it's. I haven't been there. I haven't been there in a bit. But it's funny because like Sharon and I had a thing. We were gonna meet either I can't remember the date. It was either four twenty or June twenty. 2020 we were supposed to regardless if we were still oh. friends or not we were supposed to meet there no <laughs> but then, well oh. both of those dates have passed did yeah. you go or did you stand her up because <laughs> knowing Sharon she would have been there like oh okay okay I guess that's not coming <laughs> pass and then I thought oh well like you know no, well, I don't know, when you have plans of, like, 2020, I'm like, well, I'll keep my plans, but then COVID happened. Yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. Both <laughs> dates, both dates. Yeah, isn't that so, nice? Um, Rescheduled. I think that was awesome, like, interviewing you. I loved it all. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I want to plug what, because um, you're, you're selling these awesome masks that have your logo, DVLO, and the proceeds. Um, go to Boys and Girls Club, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I made these masks for um, just like, you know, kind of encouraging people to wear masks because it's serious situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, I do work with the Boys and Girls Club throughout the um, throughout the year and help with like fundraising and like uh, kind of I give kind of like advice on like different program ideas and all that. So um, they're doing a fundraiser right now for to help with like a lot of um, expenses for like their summer camps and they things have been reallocated a lot of funds because of the whole COVID-19 and you know not having the same type of sponsors. So they're doing a fundraiser right now. And so I was like, oh, this would be perfect. So I had a mask made and I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to donate half of the proceeds to Boys and Girls Club. That's cool. Like whatever I could do. Cause it's, it's, it's like the, it's like the good thing to do or like the right thing to do. And I totally support their program and everything that they do for like their club members and their community, like really underprivileged communities that need some type of like foundation. Um, they, they've been open the whole time. I saw in the news that because they're, um, essential they yeah they've been open but they haven't had uh, like their center open but been closed but they've been offering like drive uh, meals to students so like I was on a call with one of the board members and um, their assistant and she was telling me how like probably like 53% of their members don't have um, access to like electronic devices to uh, for like homeschooling or to like do school from home like on computers and or like iPads um, during the pandemic and that a lot of the students also there is like they get their meals from the boys and girls club so they were able to pro- still provide meals for like, the families by like little drive-bys um, they would drive by and then like give them like the either like a bag of food or like the meals 
that they would get if they were at the club. And then um, they got donations from another sponsor of like over 100 iPads for so that the kids could have like access to, you know, be able to either participate in programs that they made online, um, Boys and Girls Club programs, and also for school in the fall. So it's, they're really, really involved and they help the community a lot. It's not just like random fundraisers or, you don't, or random organizations where you don't know where the money is. So I would have a lot of respect for what they do. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, um, if you're listening, get a mask, look up the Boys and Girls Yeah, on my, and you can see on my Instagram, the gram. Yeah, yeah, what's your Instagram? And I'll plug it At dblo.dom. Dblo.dom, D-O-M. That's a lot of different categories of law. Like you do entertainment law. Um, yeah, family, custody, divorce, uh, criminal defense, civil litigation, business, contracts. I don't like to do everything pretty much. The divorce yeah. one will get, you know, that'll get. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> Oh man! You know, I just started watching. I I don't know if you've seen it, but a girlfriend's guide to divorce on Netflix. I've seen a couple episodes. I really like it. I just binge watched the first season literally this past weekend. So, (laughs) yeah, our friend was uh, I think a love interest in a couple of the episodes. Oh, that's awesome! (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that show. It's really good. Oh, I'll have to check it out again. That's um, that's awesome. Oh, I was gonna. I think uh, I think that's good. I was. What do you have? Like any advice for people? You know, like I don't know. I've been trying to be proactive about calling out racism online. I'm just. uh, Do you have any advice of how how white people can be better? Um, (laughs) I I mean, we'd be better. I mean, I think that. It. I just encourage them to just be open to hearing people out and not so defensive. I think it's like a lot of people just naturally when they don't understand something, they're so quick to shut down and be defensive and come up with the arguments to disprove something, um, which is where a lot of conflict ends up happening or, and a lot of you know, arguments have, end up like spiraling out of control. So I just encourage everyone, white people, black people, brown, everything, everyone to just listen. Just listen to each other and really think about what they're saying. And if you don't understand it, uh, like inquire into that, why they, what you don't understand about what that person's saying. And then it's only through that um, listening and inquiring that you'll either understand and you'll be able to either really disagree with it or agree with it and actually be informed and be on the same page with people. So yeah, just listening to each other and taking the time to, you know, think before responding. (laughs) There's too much of just like automatic responses without even listening to what people are actually saying. Yeah, just with social media, it's just everyone's social media. Yeah, they're so quick. Um, and that's what I do too. Like when I hear someone saying something kind of crazy that I don't agree with, I just ask them why they think that way or why do you say this? Or you said, where did you hear that quote that you were saying? Like, where did you find that? When did they say that? Like, I just kind of like dig, I think that's just also the attorney in me just kind of like digging further into like where that's coming from so that they could see that there's no basis to what they're saying without me having to tell them that they're wrong. So, yeah. You're 
better person than I. Like, I'm <laughs> patient. I, I mean, I'm, we're getting sometimes unsolicited Trump videos, like, through Messenger, and I've just kind of blocked people and unfriended a lot of people because, like, I just think, you know, I don't have, I don't mind being cordial to people on the street that I see, like, oh, hi, but if, no. if it's my time online, I don't have a problem with cutting those people out. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I would, I do, I do the same. <laughs> um, those are, those are lost causes yeah. because they want to support, I mean, they want to support Trump just because they want to support him, not for any other reason. They don't care about, like, the morals or immorals actions and the disrespect to the office and, you know, how leader, like, the poor leadership, they don't care about those things. They just want to vote for him because the left is against them. You know, it's, it, they're very truly ignorant reasons and some people you just can't change. But right. like, I think that if it's possible to have those conversations and listen um, to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry with Trump people. Um, yeah. I'm like, I was more Trump. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, there's, they, there's also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, there's just like a lot of un, un, um, qualified or uneducated responses mm -hmm. to, you know, like I've had people that I know say like, oh, Trump is the best thing that happened to America. Why do you say that? You know, like what? Um, or he's so great for the car. I mean, like um, in what way? Like the fake way that, you know, momentarily, but that's all about like coming to a halt very quickly. You know, like there's so much more that's kind of beyond people, but it's about, that's why education is important. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't even think it's to me personally. I don't I don't mind if someone is I understand if someone has different point of view as far as being a Republican or Democrat, like I'm not a Republican, but I don't have a problem with that. But there is a difference between being a Trump supporter. Yeah, no, total difference. I, I, I love it. I have like Republican friends. I used to be a, a, like a registered Republican back in the day, just because I like a lot of I think like more like economically, I always saw myself from um, our government class that I loved <laughs> you know I saw myself more as a moderate and you know when I just registered I just registered as a Republican I would typically just vote Democrat but I was I there's nothing wrong to me about being a Republican I still don't think there is I think that right now it's not about Republican Democrat it's Trump and like morality <laughs> and that's it so like to me I see a vote for Trump or like a Trump supporter as like they don't care about morality and respect dignity and like each other <laughs> like your fellow city like neighbor whoever they are I guess that's what I have a hard time understanding because to me it's like he did not he has not denounced white supremacy so then so, how do you support him and say you're not racist that's what I have a hard time I, understanding and they can never they can never really answer it other than saying like, oh, everything's so racist, everything's racist. Like they always have an excuse that's like, oh, so sensitive or, oh, it's, it's, it's only because of blah, 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 blah. It's a cancel culture. It's like, those aren't responses. If you could generally tell me, you know, straightforward without trying to blame someone else, but that's Trump's, they learned that from Trump. It's always blame someone else or blame something else. Right. So, that's, you know, it's just learned behavior, which is why it's so bad um, to have him as a leader for the country, because it's like a poor example for just a represent as a representative for, you know, the country, people of the country. And then also like kids growing up, like that's not how you act. That's not how I was like 
raised. So it's just really sad to see. It just hurts me every time I see him like speak and just be very rude and disrespectful for oh. no reason, for absolutely no reason. Yeah. You guys <laughs> yeah. both, girl. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, 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 I don't, I'm like super busy. And so a lot of times like on Facebook, I just kind of read through comments. So I'm just like, roll my eyes and keep going. But lately I've been like, okay, I have time. <laughs> like at the certain response, I'm like, okay, I have something to say to this. And then most of the times, like after I put in my whatever, they don't say anything. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been like, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, here and there, I have my moments where it's like, okay, I don't care what you're saying. Because I'm going to tell you what's up right now. Um, but other times I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to pray. <laughs> I just need to pray. A lot of us have so much time. I used to just keep scrolling too. But then again, it's like that being complicit. And then it's just like, I, I like just voicing my opinion. Out. Oh, I, yeah. Shit. oh, and I love seeing like other friends that like, I don't really say much, especially like, like white friends. I love seeing them say stuff. Cause I'm like, that's right. <laughs> like, because before, like you would never see anyone other than like people of color that speak on people of color issues. Right. Um, people knew about it. People knew that it was happening and would agree that it's bad, but they just, it wasn't affecting them. They didn't really care. Just, you know, they're in their own world. But um, now you can't, like I said earlier, you can't ignore it anymore. And it's gotten to just levels that are just unacceptable for so many reasons. So I think it's pretty cool, especially like high school people like Ryan Burns. Shout oh, out I was going to say. Dude, I've been loving his pose. He like calling out people like, I will delete you and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. you, you're a racist and I do not want to know you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, his po yeah, he's all, he's all about it. Him and yeah. his brother, they're great. Yeah, I love it. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's nice to feel because I also feel like okay, it's, I need I didn't really know before, but like you're you're down for me, low key, or like you you'd have my back, you know. So it's kind of like oh wow, that's cool to know. Like them speaking up means a lot, and that people don't realize. So I think that whole like silence is violence, and you know, complicit. Yeah, it's for those reasons, because for so long, you know, a lot of people felt kind of like alone in the struggle and like can only relate. But when you hear other people kind of like speaking out, saying the same things and calling their other people out, it's like, oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> Finally, it's not just my burden <laughs> that I've been carrying all these, you know, my whole life. So yeah, totally. Or when people share, when those, when, when the Trump supporters share like Candace Owens and they're like, see, I'm not racist. Look at Candace Owens videos. Oh my God. Like all, well, Tom and I will call those people out too of just, no, this is, this, she's a garbage person. Who yeah, has she's a garbage, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I, you know, I honestly, I don't think I've really listened to anything of hers because I just don't want to hear it. Because I just see them as puppets. Yeah, it's yeah, just, just using it. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Like Ben Carson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The waste. So I, knew, I I had a coworker who who was like a. Hold on. Thank you. Um. Thank you for being on the podcast, Dom. Keep listening. And yeah. All right. <laughs> I know. <laughs>